My name is Chris Lane. I'm the senior pastor. Welcome, and it's good to see you. And uh, I just want to say a little thank you, a little personal note. Uh, many of you have uh, been praying for me and inquired how I got on on my retreat. Uh, I went Monday through Wednesday down to the New Forest, and I was on a, a sort of silent retreat uh, for most of that time. Um, and, uh, it, you know, I, 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 to be honest with you, I, I do kind of dread these retreats a bit. I mean, you may think, and to some extent I do, that it's just lovely to go and have a bit of peace and quiet, but you know, when you position yourself in the presence of God without distractions, without all those things that, that we so easily divert to, and you switch off the phones, and you switch off the computers, and you switch off the DVD, and the radio, and the iPods, and the iPads, and goodness knows what else, when it's just you and God, I tell you, it gets a bit scary after a while. But I survived, I'm here, you know, and uh, I had a good time, and I felt the Lord was, was very gracious and affirming, and, and uh, among other things, uh, he spoke to me about our vision for next year, our 2020 vision, and how we're continuing to unroll that, but, but I'm going to save that a little while. I used to come back from retreats and splurge everything over everyone, but I want things to just simmer you know, uh, on my, my heart for a little while before I share that, but thank you again for those of you who prayed for me. Let's pray now, and we'll get into this morning's teaching. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you to you for all, again for your grace and your goodness, and thank you, Jesus, that you choose to reveal yourself, you choose to be known as the living word, the alpha and the omega, the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. And we thank you, Lord, because we, we want to hear from you. And I pray, Lord God, that I would do more than engage people this morning or inform people. Uh, I, I want to be more than entertaining, Lord, in my speaking. Lord, you know I have been praying for some time, and it's my prayer this morning, that I would be effective in my preaching, that the words that you speak through me and have given me would bear fruit and work transformation and discipleship in us. And that's our heart, to grow, Lord God, to grow as people and as a community. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so as uh, most of you will know now, I hope that we are into week four, I think it is, of, of our autumn series, and it's called Deeper, Becoming a Fully Devoted Follower of Jesus, and every autumn we tend to sort of do this, we, 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 we get into something, we go into, into some depth, and often we have an accompanying book, and this year is no different. Uh, we've got this book called Fully Devoted, which you can get at the subsidized price of five pounds on the bookstall. We've piled them high and selling them cheap, so take them even if, you, even if you're currently not in a life group or if you haven't got anyone to do it with. You can use it as a personal devotion, but I would encourage you, you know, to sort of do it in your life groups or, or do it with a friend or two, and I've, a number of you have said to me how that's working. Some of them actually, uh, one lady I, I spoke to said that she was doing it with a friend who can't get to church. What a great way of using it, you know. Somebody maybe who's a shut-in or something like that, just settling down, getting a coffee and go through this. It's very digestible. But what it will do is if you, if you look at it and if you work with it and if you pray it into it, it will it'll work growth and maturity in you. So there you are, fully devoted, on the bookstore, get them while they're hot, etc., etc. This week, we're going to be talking about groups. We've looked at grace. We've looked at growth last two weeks. 
Denise Gray, part of our preaching team, introduced the series three weeks ago. And this week we want to talk about groups. And, and to help me just get into this, I've invited Andy and Kate Buchanan to come up and just tell me a little bit about their group. So would you give a great rousing welcome, please, to Andy and Kate? Not sure where they are. Andy and Kate, they, you know, if you ask, that, we went out for dinner with them just recently, and you ask them what they're involved in and what they're, how they're serving the church, and they, you know, they both got high. Andy's got a high-pressure jo- job. Kate's running a business. I just don't know how you guys fit it all in, but respect. That's all I can say. Respect. So welcome. Now, can I ask you first off, Kate? Your group's been going quite a while, but it started in unusual circumstances. Did you just want to thumbnail that for us? Yeah. Um, it started. Probably about, is that all right? Yeah. About, I suppose about 12 years ago, we were praying for a little girl called Charlotte Barnes. I think some of you know her, or maybe she was here 10 or 12 years ago. She had a brain tumour. She was about six months old, and a number has felt drawn to pray for her. And that's how the group started. And we started by waiting on God and just saying, okay, God, how do you want us to pray? So there's a number of you I can see, Colin, I can see people that joined us through the journey. And she is amazing and alive and is well and God healed her. It was an amazing, miraculous journey. But on the journey for her, it also took us on a massive journey of learning about God and the ways of listening to God and thanking God. Each, it, was, it was an amazing journey, really. Um, and we're now still together, 12 years later. It's become more an accountability to one another group, I suppose, but we still fundamentally wait on God and ask God, what's his agenda? What do you want us to pray about? Um, and that's, um, we've kind of, that's where it is now, really. Gosh, you know, it's so good to remember the things that God has done. And I do remember that season. Yeah. I remember walking, going out with Richard Barnes. He, he, they were in Great Ormond Street. And Richard and I went out into a little park there. And we just, to be honest with you, we just shouted at, at God. We, we were just in despair. And we, yeah. but you know, there was, God put it in our hearts, didn't he? Not yeah. to give up. Yeah. And it was a battle, and it was yeah. an extraordinary thing. And she had this huge, great... Yeah. It was there, wasn't yeah. it? This huge, great thing came out the side of her head. Yeah. It distorted her face, but it's completely gone. Yeah. And in fact, Songs of Praise yeah. did a feature, yeah. big feature on it. And it, yeah. they, when they did their highlights, they, they um, highlighted yeah. Charlotte's story. And it is wonderful. They come to church sometimes. I'll have to get them, because they're down in... Where is it? Bosom now, yeah. Um, And they come and visit from time to time. Wonderful to remember what the things God has done. Yeah. But Andy, when we were having dinner, you got all 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 passionate. You you kind of scared me, you know. I'm sorry about that. You know, he's all sort of freaking out there and in the pizza express. But you're passionate about groups. What is it you think that groups can do for us? Uh, So I think what we feel is that we weren't, and I know Chris is going to speak on that, but we were never destined to be on our own. We were always destined to be in relationship. And so when we follow Jesus, we're in relationship with him, and therefore we need to be in relationship with each other. And I think what we find, we run two groups, and what we found is that it's exciting uh, being together with like-minded people, um, sharing, debating, arguing sometimes what we feel about how to follow Jesus in the best way, and having people there that have got your back. I think that's one of the mm. biggest things mm. we've noticed. Somebody's good. got your back. That's good. Yeah. So, you know, if there's a problem, you might not even see that there's a problem going on, but someone else probably will. And it's just having people who've got your back, but that love you. They're mm. not there to criticize or to judge. They're just there. They want the best for you because they love you. 
Annie, that's so great. I'm just moved just hearing you. Even if we didn't do anything else, that would just be great. Let's just pray for these guys, because truthfully, you know, these guys are, and there are many of you like Andy and Kate, these guys are the warp and weft of the church, you know, second only to the Holy Spirit. It's people like Andy and Kate who are busy and full on in life. And you work in the city, very, very pressured job. And yet, you make life choices so that you can serve the king and his kingdom. It's wonderful. Let's just lift a hand to bless them, shall we? Father God, we want to say thank you for the Andean Cates, of which there are many in this community. And we ask your blessing upon them, that you'd keep them, their children, their family, all whom they love and care about. And bless Andy Kate at this time, bless their family at this time, and strengthen them and keep them, Lord, walking closely with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give these guys a clap. Bless them. Thank you. So you got the message. We're talking about groups, and great to have one of our life group leaders, uh, a pair of our life group leaders, come up and share. Okay, so when we're talking about groups, that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. And in fact, when we first started the church, we had a very, very, very prescriptive um, model for groups. And now groups in this church have become a little more diverse. And and we're excited that new ideas for groups, new ways of meeting and and greeting. And I want you to hear straight off, you know, if you would like to do some sort of a group, please talk to Richard or or Fliss, my wife, or email the office. We would love to talk to you about doing a life group of some kind. You may not even want to call it a life group to begin with, but but we are hungry to build up more groups. And uh, if you're not in a group, I hope that by the time I finish this morning, you'll start thinking about it. There's a life group board there, and of course you can go on the website, and that'll give you a bit of information about some of our life groups this morning. But let me scroll back a little bit. Let me go upstream. Because actually, the whole business of groups is actually about community. And community is a key word in in, in the Gospels. It's, it's so close to the very heart of God that it is actually part of God himself. I've got this little image that I've used from time to time. This is a, a little sort of icon painting. It's actually called um, the guests, Abraham and his guests. But theologians and Bible scholars and the church has, has really seen behind the rather sort of innocent title and has for years revered in some parts of the church but in many parts of the church, use this as an illustration of the Godhead, of God himself. Now, many of you will know that as Christians, we believe in the Trinity, three gods in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, of equal part, but, and, but all God. And, and the thing about this picture that has excited Bible scholars and theologians down the centuries is the fact that if, fa- if Father is in the middle, and this is the Son, and this is the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit, they're all leaning into one another. God in himself is, is in community. And he leans in to one another. I like what Andy said there about having somebody watching your back. It's an incredible thing when you've got one or two good friends. I hope you've got more than one or two, but it's a, w- a wonderful thing when you've got one or two friends that you can lean into, they've got your back. But this whole concept of community is really built into the very fabric of what it is to be a a follower of Jesus. 
And in fact, it, it goes back, if that's true of God himself, it's not surprising that, that we can read the book of Genesis and see insights into, into community there. Creation and community, it was built right into when, when God was creating us and all that we see and enjoy, creation and community. I mean, let me tell you a little story here. I don't want to, if I said don't go off on too many stories, but I'll, I'll risk this story. I, I mean, when you read the book of Genesis, when you read that, that creation account, you, you read that, uh, you know, that God created light, and he said, it is good. God created water, second day, and he said it is good. The third day he created all the plants, the vegetation, and he looked at it and he said it is good. On the fourth day he created the sun and the moon, the lights in the heaven, the stars, said it is good. Fish in the sea, animals, etc., etc. Finally he created man, and he looked at man and he went, hmm, better not leave him on his own. God made man, and in making a man, he could have made him totally independent. But community is part of our genetic code. And as the story goes, as you know, one day the Lord takes Adam to one side and he says to him, he says to him, Adam, I'm gonna send you a helper. And Adam goes, right. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put you to sleep I'm gonna take a part out of you. It's gonna be flesh of your flesh. I'm gonna make you a woman. And he says, I'm not sure whether I like the sound of that. Is it gonna hurt? He says, no, 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 I'm just gonna put you to sleep and I'm gonna make a woman. And then Adam said, what's it gonna cost? And the Lord said, well, actually, most women cost an arm and a leg. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys, sorry, sorry. Oh dear, I'm in trouble. (laughs) Fliss is giving me the look. And Adam said, an arm and a leg, what do I get for a rib? (laughs) But it's not good for man to be alone. It's part of our genetic code to be together. In that particular case, husband and wife. It is so fundamental that that actually, as, um, as Henry Cloud has said, he has said that actually, Most harm is done by people to people. Most harm that we encounter is by people doing things to us. But actually, that is a result of the fall where where man fell out with creation and man fell out with, with, with each other, man and woman, and there was all sorts of enmity and difficulty and struggle. But actually, the way God has made us, we can bring great blessing great support through one another. Phyllis and I used to teach a little class when we first started in the ministry. It was called Jesus on Our Streets, wasn't it? Something like that. And one of the opening things was a question we used to ask people, said, okay, lovely to see you all here this evening. Have a, a moment to think, just by way of an icebreaker, what causes you the, great, the greatest joy in your life? And we didn't specify, somebody could have said, you know, my, my carrots on my allotment. So what gives you the greatest joy? And what gives you the greatest pain? And you know what? Time after time after time after time again, people would talk about relationships, the quality of community, 
the way they were with other people. And they could be rich, they could be poor, they could be old, they could be young, they could be whatever you like, but the common thread is that it is community, the quality of our relationships that we have one with another, that work either the greatest pain and destruction in our lives and or the greatest benefit. One of the great sadnesses, and I'm sure Linda will tell you this, head of our pastoral department, but I've come across it many times myself. People will say to me, I don't have a problem with God. Actually, I believe in God. Didn't always, but I do now. I think there probably is something. But it's the church that I struggle with. It's people. It's, it's when people get together that I have a problem. There is something fundamentally wrong in that. Because Jesus came to build community, to restore us back into the, the bosom of our Father. And Father opens his hands and arms and welcomes us back in. And the early church knew that this was absolutely crucial. This was central to his message. If you think about the cross, I mean, it's, it's an old, old uh, illustration, but if you think about the cross upon which Jesus died, there's the upright from earth to heaven, but there's also the horizontal where God has his arms outstretched to receive us. If that isn't a symbol of God welcoming us back into community, I don't know what is. But the church got excited about this. It understood this. Let's just read this little passage from Acts chapter 2. It's a, an early picture, a snapshot of the church of Jesus Christ. Let's hope that you recognize yourself in at least some part of it. And it says here, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes, spilled out of the meeting place, into their homes, the streets, the highways, the byways. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. You see, in that snapshot of the early church, people weren't saying, you know, I don't have a problem with God, but I have a problem with the church. What they were seeing was, they, they, they heard about God, they knew God, they, they worshipped God, but in addition to that, in the community of faith, the believers, the early church, there was something about them, the way they were with one another, that they found compelling and attractive, and so the Lord was able to add to their numbers, not cause them to run away. It was a magnet, their quality of community life, their group life together, the way they were in the street. The meeting place spilled out into the marketplace. And it was an incredible draw, 
an incredible attraction because we have this need for community in the very depths of our being. It's part of our genetic code. So I want to spend the next 10 minutes before I finish this talk just helping you think about what makes a good group. Andy's given us one or two clues already, and I'm sure I'm going to touch on that, but what makes a good group? You know, what's, what's our part in all of this? And by that, I mean, what's the church? What, what should we be looking to offer you? So, so when you go to a group and you're trying to assess whether or not this is a place that you feel that you could connect with and hang out, what should you be looking for? Well, of course, the welcome. Are you made to feel welcome? That's absolutely key. Is there a measure of grace in this place? Now, Rick taught about grace two or three weeks ago. Have you missed it? Listen to it on the iPods. Very good. Is there an air of acceptance about it? Do you feel safe there? If you've got stuff, and I want you to let, let you into a little secret here, we've all got stuff. We've all got stuff. But if you go to a group, do you feel like this is a place where you can breathe a little more easily? It's a good question. One of the great fears for Fliss and myself when we were building with the Holy Spirit and as, as people were being added to us in the early days, and this is still a concern, is are we just building what they call primary groups? Now, many of you all know what that is. Some of you all have experienced it. A primary group is where there's a little group of people who've got it so down, so together, that when anybody new tries to join it, they, they, feel, they feel like they're not welcome. In fact, they may, the group may say, oh, lovely to see you, so nice. But there's, there's something going on in the group that where, where people are just in this holy huddle and, and newcomers are made to feel unwelcome. There is a lack of grace in the place. So yes, welcome is important. But more than welcome, more than, you know, here's a cup of tea and a rich tea biscuit, sit down, make yourself comfortable. It's more than that. It's about something about the spirit of the group. Is there an inclusivity there? Do you feel like this is a place where you can breathe a little more easily? Now, a group, some groups are spectacularly good at this part of it. And we've seen groups over the nearly 25 years, 23 to 25 years we've been doing this now, that have flourished very quickly. They start off and within no time they've got you know, 25, 30 people. There's a fantastic welcome. But in 18 months they've petered out. And very often the groups that peter out at that point is because the next thing is lacking. Truth. Now by that I don't just mean do they teach the Bible. You know, some groups have a greater emphasis on prayer, some on worship, some on service, some on, on, on Bible teaching. But there should be all of these elements to some degree or another. But if truth is lacking in that group, people will not grow. Because it's all very well to sort of hang a sign outside your group saying, come as you are, you'll be loved. But you really need to say, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Otherwise, no one's being transformed. No one's growing up. No one's getting better. No one's, you know, I'm not getting rid of my stuff. So there needs to be a culture in the group of, of challenge. Yes, it needs to be done skillfully. It needs to be done sensitively. 
It needs to be non-judgmentally. We're not there to embarrass or humility or cause people to run fleeing from the, the room, as it were, in floods of tears. But as Andy was saying, there needs to be this element of watching your back and being accountable. I thank God that there are people in my life in this church who have the courage to say to me from time to time, Chris, watch my lips. You need to go on a retreat, okay? I love the fact that Amongst our staff team, and for me, the staff team, to be honest, it's not the only group, but the staff team is one of my primary groups. But I love the fact that I had to apologize to Linda this week. I cut her short in the middle of telling a story, and she was very gracious to me, but I could see that it had just sort of, you know, I haven't asked Linda to, well, I can share this, it'd be embarrassing, but, but um, you know, it, she just, I, I saw a kind of, a, I, I had hurt her and it bothered me. And so the following morning I got up and I was, felt like the Lord was on my case. And so I texted her and I said, Linda, I'm really sorry I cut you short. It was a great story. I'm sorry. I love it that, that I and we can build community in a way where I can work through my stuff and, and I can have people that are real with me and encourage me to dare to be real. So these places need to be a place of grace and truth. But finally there's something that we're very hot on here. And often this third fence is where a group will stumble. And that's that it needs to be a group that will reproduce. You see, that is the model for growth in the scriptures. And so right from the day one of a group, there needs to be this sense that we're going to gather, we're going to grow, and we're going to give. Have you heard that one before? Hands up if you've ever heard that before. We're going to gather, we're going to grow, and then we're going to give. Because you know what? Good groups are like a plant. They're planted, they begin by setting down deep roots. After a while, they begin to send up those, you know, uh, those, those little kind of paddle leaves and the sun gets them and then they begin to flourish and next thing you know you've got a full grown plant and then wonder of wonders you get blossom and then wonder of wonders you get fruit from the blossom but you know what that fruit has to be picked it has to be dispersed because if it isn't it falls to the ground beneath the tree and begins to rot and worms and wasps and all the rest of it begin to come in Groups that do not reproduce get past their sell-by date. So it's something we're very strong about. We're always badgering our, our dear life group leaders who've got enough on their plates anyway. But we're saying, who are your assistant leaders? You know, what, what's the plan to reproduce? And you know what? It keeps things healthy. So these are things that you can you know, go to a group and you can have a little checklist. This is, this is what you should be looking for in a group. Are these qualities, in varying degrees admittedly, are they there, are they present? But you know what? I actually have more conversations with people about this. Oh, I'm looking for a group. Oh, it didn't really suit me all this way. But I want to say something now which might be perhaps a little more difficult. I want to talk to you about your part about you and your, the attitude you have towards groups. 
a good group, what is your part? First of all, I want to say this. You have to take the initiative. This life in Jesus is not going to happen by accident. As I said last week, it takes training rather than just trying. It takes intentionality. It takes a little bit of planning, a little bit of self-discipline. And you have got to make the effort when you've come herring back from the, from, from the city where you've been you know, badgered from dawn till dusk about you know, meeting this target or that target or where you've been charging around trying to get the kids from school and then get them dusted off so they can go to Bali and then you have to whip over there because the dog's at the vet and then you come back and you make some pasta. And I know what it's like. We've, we, are, we live this same life. But you have to take the initiative. You have to say to yourself, I am going to do group, so help me God, if it kills me. Because there is a need in each and every one of us to connect, to come into that place where we can breathe a little more easily. Receive grace. Know the truth. Be built up together. We cannot do life without that. And sometimes, I'll be absolutely honest, I find Christians a little lazy. They want it handed to them on a plate. And then when life gets a bit, when, when their spiritual life gets a bit dull and a bit flat and a bit, I don't know where I'll go to church this Sunday. It's as if we've done something wrong. But listen, you have got to take the initiative. James says, you know, if you take a step to the Father, the Father runs towards you, but you've got to take that step. The second thing, you've really got to seek to serve. We bang on about this in so many different ways. We've got to seek to serve. So come to the group, not with the, and we've seen people come to groups, groups that Fliss and I have led. They come in and it's like they've got their checklist of what the group should be like, and it, okay, well, impress me. Yeah, I'm not feeling very welcome at the moment. Yeah, nobody's offered me, nobody's spoken to me. Well, what vibes are you sending off? What, are you, what message are you sending? The second thing is you have to seek to serve. And by that, you know, remember the thing that Granny may have taught you or may not. You know, you need to do as you would be done by. Many of you know that a year ago, we've actually stepped back from it now, but a year ago, Fliss and I took on a whole region of churches in the south of England, sort of bishop duties, if you like. And we arrived at the first meeting, and I don't want to say too much, but boy, were they an angry lot. It was like a hornet's nest. They were pretty mad for a variety of reasons, and not all, altogether the same reasons. And we listened, and we prayed, and we worshipped together, and we taught the truth to them. But there came a point when we had said, you have now got to take the initiative. You've got to do as you would be done by. You've got to build the kingdom of God in the way you would like it to be. What can you do to make this experience what you would like it to see? And once again, if we're not careful, we just lean back into the whole consumerist thing. Come on, bless me, love me, pray for me, impress me, or I'll go to another church. There's plenty more, you know. You're not the only one on the block. We do have, the church has a responsibility to offer healthy groups, but you have a responsibility, I have a responsibility to take the initiative, to seek to serve, to, to make this thing what we would want it to be. We're in the building business. 
And then the third thing, third and last point, we're nearly done, is to come out of hiding. Oh my gosh. If ever there was a message that this society needed to hear, it's this. Drop the mask. Get real. Come out of hiding. And this is one of our besetting sins. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam sinned, he hid. The Lord God said, where are you? God is saying to not just the world, his church. He's saying, I thought there was a church. Where, where are you? Now, I, I, I must say, I get a little freaked. Let's be real here. When I meet somebody, and within 15 seconds, they're sharing their whole torrid life with me. It, and we've all got elements of that, and it freaks me out. I'm not talking about inappropriate disclosure. Go to a group, and there's many of them in this church, like Andy and Kate's. Get to know people. Get comfortable, of course, but you've got to set the goal of not just being comfortable, but getting to that place where you can begin to share a bit of your stuff, where you can build a little bit of accountability into your life. I'm struggling with this. I've got a temper problem. I keep losing it. I'm struggling with, with that issue, this issue. I, I'm not proud of it. I feel shame about it. Will you pray with me? Can, I, you know, can we enter into a kind of contract? You know, I'll call you about your anger problem if you'll call me about the things I watch on TV late at night. You know, let's get into something that, where we begin to talk about our stuff. These are things that we need to adopt when we're seeking to build God-given community. And it's an extraordinary blessing. You see one before you, I'm not going to do this, test me again. Somebody who was so averse to community because of things that happened to me in my teenage years that I did everything in my power to disassociate myself with other people. My own job, my own car, my own house, my own everything, away from people in the wilds of Yorkshire. God had to undo all of that and I was dragged kicking and screaming into community. But I love it now. It's been the saving of me and the making of me. But it's taken good groups, our part, and a change in attitude from me, your part, my part. As the band comes up to, to finish, I just want to read a little piece out of Colossians chapter 3. A bit of a shopping list almost, but it's wonderful too. Talks about the quality of relationships, what we should be setting our sights on building into the way we are with others and the way groups are with us. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that's where we start. We are holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Don't keep score. Bear with each other. 
and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity, community. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to praise and be thankful. And let the word of God, word of Christ, well in you richly as you teach and admonish one another, challenge, confront, speak the truth in love. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart. Walk humbly with your neighbor. Don't be full of pride judging them because you're so glad you're not like them now. Be grateful for the grace that God has worked in you. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. What a vision. What a majestic scope of what church, community could be like. How critical, how vital our groups. Set your sights on this. Let's build a little taste, albeit a foretaste, of the kingdom of heaven in the 21st century. Let's all stand and pray. Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your word. Lord, I said at the beginning, and it's all the truer now, I don't want to entertain or engage or educate even. Lord, I want to be effective. So may the word of God that's been preached this morning be effective and work transformation in us. And everyone said, Amen.